Welcome to the Toxic Google Podcast, where great minds meet. I'm Lauren, bringing you this episode with star of stage and screen, Billy Porter. Toxic Google brings the world's most influential thinkers, creators, makers, and doers all to one place. Every episode is taken from a video that can be seen at youtube.com slash talks at Google. Billy Porter is a Tony, Emmy, and Grammy award-winning actor, singer, director, and composer. He won a Tony Award in 2013 for originating the role of Lola in Broadway's Kinky Boots, and his electric portrayal of Pray Tell in Pose earned him a 2020 Golden Globe nomination and a Critics' Choice Award nomination. He also recently starred in the eighth season of Ryan Murphy's acclaimed American Horror Story, Apocalypse. Billy joins us to discuss his career, his experience as a black queer man in entertainment, and his role on the acclaimed series Pose. Co-created by Ryan Murphy, Pose is a drama spotlighting the legends, icons, and ferocious house mothers of New York's underground ball culture, a movement that first gained notice in the late 1980s. Making television history, Pose features the largest cast of transgender actors in series regular roles. The Golden Globe-nominated and Emmy-nominated drama also features the largest recurring cast of LGBTQ actors ever for a scripted series. Moderated by Ricardo Horna, here is Billy Porter, Pose and Beyond. Hey everyone and welcome. My name is Ricardo Orna. I work on our YouTube staffing team and I've been with Google for a little over four years. And I'm very excited to be moderating today's chat with the one and only Billy Porter. I'd love to introduce Billy by reading his bio. Billy Porter is a Tony and Grammy award-winning and Golden Globe and Emmy-nominated actor, singer, director, composer, and playwright from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. His electric portrayal of Pray Tell and Pose earned him a Golden Globe nomination and a Critics' Choice Award nomination. He also recently starred in the eighth season of Ryan Murphy's acclaimed American Horror Story Apocalypse. So with that, we'll go ahead and welcome Billy. Hello, how are you? <laughs> I'm wonderful now that you are here. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. After that last, after Michelle Obama's speech last night, <laughs> yeah. I was able to breathe a little <laughs> bit. Agreed. I think we're all still buzzing from that, which is which is great. Um, so happy to have you here. Uh, I, when we chatted before, I mentioned this is an absolute pleasure and privilege to have you on here. I'm a huge fan of you and your work. So excited to chat about Pose and the projects that you've done. Um, but before that, um, a more holistic question. How are you just in general? I know it's been a, a difficult mm. time for our country and for the world, a lot of unprecedented situations. How are you dealing with everything? You know, I, I have my ups and downs. Um, mm. You know, last week was a rough one for me. <clears throat> As a black gay man in this world, my, uh, you know, my humanity has been up for legislation every single solitary day of my life. And I'm tired. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of that. Mm -hmm. um, but I am um, inspired by um how activated um our electorate has become mm. as a result of um this administration's terrorizing of us for the last four years mm -hmm. um i do think we're at a reckoning and i do feel like we 
can make some clear and concrete changes and change for good. That's what I'm interested in. Um, and it looks like we can do it. So mm -hmm. I am um, putting all of my hope and my faith uh, into this moment mm -hmm. um, that we as Americans are in fact better than this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's where I'm at. I'm trying to be as honest as I can these days. Definitely. Well, thank you for your candor, Billy. Um, I, I know a lot of folks are, are resonating with that message. And I love this idea that, that we can make change. And I do think a lot of the work that you're doing is a part of that. Everyone is playing a, a different role in making this country and this world a better place. And I think the work that you've done specifically within the entertainment uh, sector is, is really powerful. So I obviously want to talk you. a little bit about, I want to talk about Pose. I want to talk about the parallels between how powerful that show is and what's, what's going on in our country and our world today. But before that, I mean, it's very rare that I get the opportunity to chat with you. So I'd love to go way back to the beginning, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, you know, you, you're from Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania. Yep. Is that where you realized that you wanted to be a performer or what, what was that like growing up there? Yeah, I uh, sang in church um, starting at about five. And so I knew I had a talent. Um, it was in the sixth grade when I was introduced to um, musical theater. Mm -hmm. I then went on to go to the Creative and Performing Arts High School in Pittsburgh. And then from there, I went to Carnegie Mellon um, Drama Department mm -hmm. um, and then moved to New York. So, you know, I've been wanting to do this since I was 11. Mm -hmm. um, I've had really big dreams from the beginning. Um, you know, to see these dreams come to fruition and dreams that I didn't even know that I had. Um, you know, this idea for me of dreaming the impossible hmm. um, has just kind of taken hold of me, um, you know, through Pose, through the idea that Pose exists, Mm -hmm. The idea that a character like Pray Tell exists on the landscape at all mm. is, for me, as a gay man of a certain age, when I came out in the business mm -hmm. uh, back in the 80s, this was an impossibility. Right. Who I am and what I represent was an impossibility. So um, I'm grateful mm -hmm. to have lived long enough to see this day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and to hit on that, obviously, there are still challenges that the LGBTQ plus community faces today, specifically at the intersection of, of race and, and sexual orientation and gender expression. But I can imagine it must even been more difficult back then. Did you have a support system or did you have folks that were supporting your journey to go into entertainment when you were first starting off? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, my friends you know, friends who I met in high school, friends who I met in college, my chosen family, mm. you know, the people who I've met along the way, um, you know, we support each other. We um, are the support system for each other. And um, that has been how I've been able to sustain. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I love that idea of, of chosen family. For those that are familiar with the show, it's a, it's a very important part. 
Now, one of my favorite things about your background is that you started off in theater. I'm personally uh, a thespian, a big musical theater fan as well. And, and one thing to note about your amazing career is that you actually originated the role of Lola in the smash hit Broadway, Kinky Boots. Yes. Uh, she won the 2013 Drama Desk Antonio Awards for Best Actor in a Musical. And you know, in addition to that, your uh, credits include Shuffle Along, Miss Saigon, Five Guys Named Mo, Grease, and the list goes on and on. So would love to hear a little bit about your experience just being on stage and, and, and performing for, for folks live. Well, theater is, my first love, um, you know, winning a Tony was the original dream. Mm. Um, you know, the business has huge ups and downs. Um, and I, you know, spent the better part of my thirties sort of searching, um, you know, what I call being on the brink of obscurity. Hmm. Um, because as a gay man, as a black gay man in particular with very specific talents, I found myself pigeonholed um, into a stereotype um, that I was uncomfortable with. Um, hmm. And so I needed to um, find a different way of communicating creatively. Mm -hmm. um, and so I set out on a journey that really um, took a while. Mm -hmm. You know, it took me a while to transition from what I call, um, you know, the magical fairy clown, mm -hmm. um, which was the only position that we were allowed to be in for a very long time, mm -hmm. um, to uh, an actual three-dimensional human being mm. uh, inside of this queer thing, this gay thing, this part of myself that um, everybody told me was my liability. Mm. And they weren't wrong. It was my liability mm -hmm. for decades. Right. And then it wasn't. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm so grateful that I chose myself. I'm mm -hmm. so grateful that I chose my authenticity in the middle of um, a landscape that looked impossible. Mm -hmm. um, I always say it's easy to be who you are when what you are is what's popular. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of rhetoric mm. that is spouted um, and this is no shade, but there's a lot of rhetoric that's spouted from our um, entertainment stars uh, mm -hmm. who very often fall into a space where who they are is what's popular. Hmm. Mm -hmm. That's easy. Right. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> it's not easy. None mm -hmm. of it is easy. Um, it is more challenging to stare dismissal, um, rejection, um, otheredness that leads to unemployment. Mm -hmm. You know, when the, when the thing that you are 
and standing in your truth hmm. leaves you bankrupt and jobless. Mm-hmm. It can be very difficult to stay on that course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I will say that when I was making the choices and the decisions to try to be the thing that everybody on the outside told me that I should be, mm. specifically masculine enough. Mm-hmm. You're not masculine enough. Um, my masculinity has been in question since I could breathe air. Um, it was me taking myself out of that race. Mm-hmm. It was me having a moment to step back and look at what was uncomfortable inside of that for me, which is I'm not telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And my truth makes other people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I got to the space where I didn't care. Right. I stopped caring about that. Mm. I took myself out of the masculinity race. And now look at where I am. Mm. You know, so I represent so much more than just myself. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't just about me. Um, mm, This is about um, a long journey of... um, people of color, particularly queer people of color, um, taking the space that we deserve. Well, Billy, we are grateful for the work that you do on stage and those that gave you the opportunity because you just hit on such an important point, one that really resonates with me. It's this idea that it's not enough to be seen or to be heard if it's still through the lens of a cis, white, hetero, male view, it's being able to be your whole self and live your full truth because you can't be it if you can't see it. And you allow us to, to see ourselves when you, you take on the shape that you want, not what the world or society tells you, but you live your truth on stage. And that, that visibility is so important. So I think that's beautiful. And I love that the stage has given you that opportunity. Of course, um, speaking of transitions, you were able to bring that magic on camera, which which is really mm-hmm. exciting, especially nowadays in, in quarantine era where we're able to binge watch shows that feature you. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that transition. What was the impetus for going from stage to on camera? What was that opportunity like? Well, I've always wanted to, to be a film and television actor for a very long time. Um, you know, but like I was saying earlier, there wasn't really a space for me outside of the stereotype. And um, I longed for a very long time to just simply be a whole person. And what Pose has done, what Pray Tell has done, is it has illuminated and put a spotlight on a community that has had no voice for a very long time in the mainstream. Mm. 
I am so grateful. And it's such a love-hate relationship um, with the internet, with social media. But the good part about social media is that it has taken out, in large part, the middleman, um, the arbiters of um, how we get from the page how we get from the desire to doing the work to having it reach people. The middleman is no longer necessary, which I feel like has created a space for the niche market to emerge victorious. You know, for a long time, the business model, especially on television, since that's what we're talking about, but film as well, is if your show doesn't have 17 to 24 million viewers, you're a flop. And in order to have that, you have to pander to a wide cross-section that generally doesn't have anything to do with the work. And so now we have these niche market places where we can go, where we can speak directly to the people who the information and the art is for. Those people can find it. Those people can ground it. Hmm. And then the tentacles of where the business is going, where these things, things like Pose, can just simply live on Netflix and the world can find it at their own pace is a remarkable thing for people of color in particular and getting our stories greenlit and told. There's a way to get it to the audience you know, there's a way to get it to the specific niche audience mm -hmm. and it matters. Mm -hmm. I think especially now, uh, it's such a powerful tool. I, I think about folks, you know, that aren't able to go on stage right now because of where we are in the world and to still have the opportunity to devour those stories and those narratives that we need to see on TV is extremely, is extremely important. And yeah. you, you hit on pose a little bit, would love to, to switch gears and 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 talk about that show very very uh, near and dear to my heart personally and i know to a lot of our viewers but for those that haven't had the opportunity to watch the show a you need to and and b we'll go ahead and show a trailer of of the last season from from last year we're obviously excited for for the new one coming out um, um obviously interesting times now but we want folks to get a taste of the show if you haven't had it so we'll go ahead and play a, a trailer of season two is about to be more popular than Studio 54 ever was. We about to go mainstream. Put away your glass slippers, Transarella. It ain't never gonna happen. All right, all right, it's all happening for us. Vogue has hit number one on the charts, and the word is ballroom is in. Hey, baby. Girl, what are you doing out here? You said you wasn't gonna walk the piers no more. There are more options out there. Like what? I got a plan. Get in. Oh, you can vote. Like, yeah, I like the new song. I like that. 
Y'all need to trust this mother's intuition. Blanca made me audition for the Fresh Faces modeling competition. Y'all are whistling past the graveyard. Really? Your T-cells have fallen below 200. I'm gonna have to move your diagnosis of being HIV positive to having AIDS. We are dying, and it's time that we fight. I'm not posing for a mugshot. Take that off. I'm tired of your big plans and your stupid dreams. Why don't you just focus on yourself for once? I'm scared to die or to live. Crazy thing is, it's not my life I'm seeing right now. It's my kids. Pose, season premiere June 11th on FX. I love Amen. that. Still gives me chills. I never even saw that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were great in it, as does everyone else. Uh, very, very powerful show, wildly entertaining, and a very, very important message and, and narrative. Um, and of course, the show is one that earned you an Emmy win last year, an Emmy nomination this year. Uh, I'm personally a huge fan. I know that when I watch it, I kind of vacillate between curling up on my couch and crying, um, all the way to dancing in my living room. So the full range of emotions when I watch the show. I hope everyone gets a chance to watch it. Uh, Billy, what's that been like? What has what it been like being on, on such an incredible, powerful show? Well, you know, I touched on it a little bit earlier. You know, it's to... It was impossible. You know, like I just, there was no context for me to dream of Pray Tell, to dream of a show like Pose, to dream, I will say, but coming going off of the topic for a moment, but to dream of marriage equality. You know, it's in line with that. It's like, I came out in 85. Like there was no context to even have an index point to enter dreaming about that, dreaming about Pose, dreaming about a show about transgender women of color in the ball culture, in the mainstream, on television, weekly. Like it just does, it wasn't, I was, I was busy trying to be masculine enough to eat. That's all I was trying to do for the first 20 years of my career. Every time I went into a room, I had to put on an extra layer of manliness to try to get a job so that I could eat. You know, I am gobsmacked by how far we've come. And we have to be reminded about how far we've come because the focus and the energy in a moment in a space and time like this is to forget and lean into the narrative and lean into the negative narrative. Um, it's very easy to do that. Um, that's what human nature is. We lean into the narrative far more than we do the positive. Mm -hmm. We lean into the negative narrative far more than we do the positive. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to find the space for that positive narrative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, and speaking of narrative, I think it's interesting. The show in and of itself has a very powerful story to tell, but what's 
so meaningful is that even behind the scenes, the work that's being done in terms of the entertainment industry is, is huge. So I think it's, it's, it's just so nice to see a show that's entertaining and I mean, you get to show off your vocal chops and, and all the other actors on the, on the show. It, it's so talented. It's, it's well, wild. yes. And the, the, you know, the ladies on our show, mm. you know, I just have to speak to this because, um, and this is, and this is, a moment of speaking about level playing fields, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, just think. I, as a cisgendered black gay man who came out in the 80s, you know, and we went straight to the front lines to fight for our lives. And I've been in the quagmire of activism for so long to see these ladies, you know, for me, the T and LGBTQ had largely been absent from my understanding and knowledge. Not because I didn't want to, just because that's how it worked out. When we know better, we do better. To be in the space with these ladies, to watch them literally come from obscurity, to come off the streets, and by off the streets, I mean many of them are not actresses. Many of them don't have Carnegie Mellon on their resume like me, or Juilliard, or the Yales, or the New York University grad schools, or these programs that train all of these people who you're seeing in these movies and these television shows. A lot of these people, very often cisgendered, very often white, we have the black ones, we have the people of color as well. But like these girls don't have no training. These girls are coming from literally their instincts, their God-given instincts, the journey and the leap from God-given instincts to what you see on that show is remarkable. It's far beyond anything that any of these other shows for me are capable of. You know, I am one of those people that gets to walk in with a 30 year career behind me, training, opportunities, you know, and even though my opportunities had their own level of, you know, um, difficulty, I just, I just marvel at these performances. I mean, MJ Rodriguez, mm. She carries, she's the heart and soul of this show and she carries it on her back like Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. People mm. need to understand that. Um, so I just had to say that out loud. I love that. No, I, I'm so glad you did. It's such a phenomenal cast and you actually had on a really important point that I wanted to bring up, which is, of course, representation we've, come a long way when it comes to LGBTQ plus rights, but there's still work that needs to be done. And I, I would love to know what your thoughts are and how do we ensure trans women, specifically trans women of color, are given both the visibility and recognition that they deserve? I mean, across all industries, but specifically the entertainment industry. Well, I think, I feel like Pose is a really good jumping off point. It's a really good launching pad because what Ryan Murphy has done, what our white cisgendered gay ally has done 
is use his powers for good. He's amplified our voices into the mainstream. And he's also infused all of us with the power and the gravitas to keep it moving. We have to keep it moving. Stephen Canal is the creator of this show. He's keeping it moving. He just inked his own deal. He just sold his another, you know, show. Janet Mock, you know, Our Lady J, myself as a writer and a content creator. You know, Dominique Jackson and all of her activism work. Um, India Moore and all of her activism work. Uh, 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 you know, who else? Uh, MJ, you know, Rodriguez and her activism work and the things that she does. Miss um, Kansi, mm. you know, she's at the forefront, not only of um, changing the landscape in entertainment, but she's also very political you know, and in that arena in a, in a, in a, in a way that's consistent and thereby um, very effective. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it, it's obvious that the work uh, goes beyond what you see on camera, that the magic is happening behind the scenes. And it's because of such an incredible cast, which, you know, very thankful for Ryan Murphy. I've been a fan of his since Glee and, and all the work that he's done. And um, you know, this show isn't the only time you've worked with him. You've also had the opportunity to be on American Horror Story, which is uh, <laughs> another incredible show. A little bit different. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your experience working on, on that show with Ryan? Well, yeah. I mean, I was going into, I was going from the first season of Pose and into a well-oiled machine with all of these actors and actresses with whom I love and respect so much. Um, the greatest part for me is that I'm not a horror fan. <laughs> I get really scared. Um, and being on set and doing this has sort of cured me of my fear of horror movies, um, which makes my husband very happy because he loves horror movies. So, um, you know, we're going back and, and enjoying um, some of the greats. That's so good. I, I gotta be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I'm with your husband. I love horror films and obviously it's a treat for me to see you and I get the horror and I get to see <laughs> So uh, I'm, I'm glad that you enjoy that experience. I of course wanna get some uh, questions from, from the audience. So um, for folks that are listening in, now's your opportunity to type it into the chat. Um, we'll go to those in just a second, but before that, um, I gotta ask Billy, your phenomenal costumes on the red carpet. Um, they're absolutely <laughs> incredible. I think I've watched them over and over again, pictures and videos. Uh, look at this, I mean, absolutely beautiful. And it's not just what you wear, but how you wear it. And the confidence and, and, and the passion with which you wear them and show them off on the red carpet is amazing. I'd love to know your thought process. What goes behind um, coming up with the outfits uh, that you want to wear and working them on the red carpet? Well, first of all, I have to um, graciously um, correct you. Mm -hmm. um, the word costume mm. 
is generally associated with a character mm. that's outside of oneself. The clothes I wear in pose are costumes. Right. The clothes I wear on the red carpet are an extension of me and my humanity. Um, I knew that fashion was a way to um, create conversations, you know, being first generation post-civil rights movement. Um, you know, it was beat into me that the first impression is what you look like. And that's what people are judging you on first. You know, I was um, very much um, a product of dressing up. You know, my great aunt Dorothy always said, dress for the job you want, not the one you have. So I have always been into fashion, high fashion, um, couture fashion. My, you know, my family, uh, my grandmother was a seamstress. She would get all the patterns and make clothes for the ladies. I would always get my Easter suit and my Christmas suit every year for church. Um, you know, the black church is a fashion show. Um, it just is. So you learn early how to wear your clothes with confidence. I will also add that being an actor, you know, one of the parts of the process of creating a character is, you know, one of those final stages is what it feels like to put on the costume mm -hmm. and how that grounds you inside of the character. So while I don't call my clothes on the red carpet costumes, I do take on whatever energy the clothes require me to take on. You know, if I'm going to wear a Christian Siriano tuxedo antebellum ball gown, I'm going to wear it. Nothing is ever going to wear me. I'm not embarrassed about it. I'm going to show up and I'm going to do it full out. And that's what you're seeing. And I think that's what's different. Uh, and that's what cr has created this conversation, especially for men. Uh especially in show business. You know, there is a masculinity race. There is a masculinity game. There is a gotcha, gotcha. What can the leading man do to slip up to make somebody call him a faggot? It's always a part of it. So very often men who would want to play, and I'm not just talking about dresses. I'm talking about stepping outside of anything outside of the penguin suit. Anything outside of what I call the straight jacket is really difficult for men in show business, particularly. You know, I took myself out of that race. I don't care. It's changed everything for me. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Billy. Well, we, we love what you wear. And thank you uh, again for that <laughs> moment. I think that's super important. I, I love learning something new and also just adding more important importance and value to how you wear something. And I think you wear yeah. it confidently and boldly. I think it inspires folks to be able to truly express themselves more, even if they're not on the red carpet just yet. So we'll yeah. go ahead and switch over to some audience questions um, to see what folks have to say. All right, we have the first one from Evan. 
how do you navigate being an artist and an advocate for social justice in a culture that is so fixated on fame and celebrity, where the art or message can get lost in the hashtags and headlines? <laughs> Evan, that is such a great question. And I am in the middle of um, figuring that out right now. It's a day-by-day um, journey. Um, and I'm figuring it out. You know, if you've noticed, if you followed me on social media, you know, I have made a pivot in the last two months um, from what I feel um, was simply social media um, influencing, which has its place, um, to posting more about social justice, um, more activism-focused posts. You know, I find it really interesting that when I'm being silly, um, the engagement is through the roof. And when I say something serious, it's crickets. I need to change that for myself. That's what I'm in the middle of figuring out right now. Um, so I hope to have a better answer for you. Um, as I discover um, how to do how to do it better, how to do that better. Wonderful, thank you, Billy, and thank you, Evan, for that great question. Uh, next up, we have another question from Elaine. What do you do slash where do you go for inspiration for a place to play in your craft or crafts? Um. <laughs> You know, it's interesting because we as Americans in particular grow up with this idea that the arts is extracurricular. Um, and so even moving into adulthood, when you are an artist, very often it's difficult for people to um, comprehend that this is a profession. I do this for a living. And there are millions of people who do. There are millions of people who you've never heard of. You know, artists make a living being artists all day, every day. With that said, when you are an artist and the thing that is generally considered extracurricular and for fun is the thing that you actually do for a living. It's hard to find other spaces. <laughs> I will say that um, quarantine has given me the space to find how much I love to cook. I've always known how to cook. I've just never felt like I had the time to cook. You know, doing Broadway shows, dinner time is generally when I'm going to work. So I haven't, since I would say 12, 12 or 13 years old, had the opportunity to sit down on a consistent basis every day at the same time and have dinner with my family, AKA my husband in this moment. Um, that has been, really um, 
a great thing. And if I wasn't doing what I'm doing, I think I might be a chef. I actually think I might start taking some some classes to to be an even better cook. That's great. Thank you. Thank you, Billy. And of course, quick uh, shout out to everyone working in the entertainment and arts uh, industry. I definitely agree with you. It's one that I think we should uh, lift up, especially now. Uh, we have time for a couple more questions. Next, we have Helen. Any thoughts on how to improve representation for trans men and non-binary folks? Great question. So I say the same thing all the time. It's about trans women right now. Hmm. Um, and I am trying to figure it out. I don't know. Um, but we as content creators um, have to start looking into that. You know, there are, so, there are so many stories to tell. So many voices that are that have been muted and um, underrepresented. And we must be vigilant and we must um, continue to shine lights on those voices and make them more visible. Um, and I'm working on it. I'm doing my best. Wonderful. Thank you, Billy. Thank you, Helen. Paula asks, uh, Billy, you've told us how Pose is now what was virtually impossible to think about in the past. What is the next impossible thing you'd like to see happening in the near future? Well, one of the things is that question that just came before. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like we need to now expand and extend the trans conversation into trans men. Um, so I would like to see that happen. Definitely, thank you. And we have time for one more question. We're going to hear from Rachel. Billy, you are fabulous, plus one. What tips do you have for being our most fab selves in quarantine while working from home? I would say, figuring out what self-care is for you. We must learn how to take care of ourselves so that we can have the energy to fight the good fight, to get in good trouble and necessary trouble, you know, to make sure that our country reflects our values. For real, we gotta take care of ourselves because it is a fight and Frederick Douglass says, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. So taking care of yourself so that we can show up vigilant. Wonderful. Thank you, Billy. Uh, and thank you all for those wonderful questions. We are coming up on time, but before we wrap up, Billy, I'd love to give you um, the space if you have any parting thoughts for those that are viewing either live or, or later on, um, any, any words of wisdom that you'd like to leave us with before we, we wrap up. Listen, all you can do is be yourself. Mm. That's all you can do. There's a favorite quote that I have from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Mm. It is our light and not our darkness that most frightens us. I will not continue. I'm going to let y'all look it up to get <laughs> the rest of it. All you have to do is type in our deepest fear dot dot dot. Mm -hmm. and you will be inspired. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Billy, for playing a role in creating a space that allows us to be ourselves. 
Thank you for your time today. Thank you for the work you do on and off camera that allows us to be seen and heard. It's been a pleasure having you here. And I already mentioned this, it's been a personal dream of mine. So really, really grateful for you. And I, of course, want to thank the phenomenal audience, those that are watching, please watch the show. It is absolutely incredible. Um, also follow Billy. We'll have all of his uh, information and his socials down in the description below. Uh, but thank you all so much for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you have any feedback about this or any other episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can visit g.co slash talks at Google slash podcast feedback to leave your comments. To discover more thought-provoking content, you can always find us online at youtube.com slash talks at Google, on our website, google.com slash talks, or via our Twitter handle, at talks at Google. Talk soon.